Pace Line is produced by the Cycling Independent with the support of subscribers like you and additional underwriting from Shimano North America. We are community-focused, community-supported, and dedicated to the whole of cycling. Always remember, at the Cycling Independent, if you ride bikes, you're one of us. From the Cycling Independent, this is The Pace Line, the podcast on two wheels. I'm Patrick Brady, and with me is my co-host, John Lewis. Each week, we take a look at how cycling fits in our lives. Um, I'm envying you right now, weather-wise. You are? Uh-huh. Uh, because you love 45 degrees and raining? <laughs> if I have a number pinned on, yes, I do. Ah. I haven't the pinned weather, on a number in a while. <laughs> you're experiencing... Some sort of atmospheric river? Um, multiples, in fact. Yeah. 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 We're getting a, a, a veritable tour of different atmospheric rivers and oh. uh, a little sampling of bombogenesis, I'm told, as well. Oh, I love a good bombogenesis. I, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I'd like to be on my bike more. And right now I am uh, unwilling to... Uh, <laughs> 45 and rain isn't just ha-has. No, no, it's not. It's not fun. Uh, we're in a, and this, I don't want this to be too whiny, uh, but we're in this, we're in this purgatorial weather place where I am, where uh, it's too wet to ride the trails here, um, but there's no snow up north of us for skiing. So it's a no-go on all of the, um, I shouldn't say all but on several of the outdoor adventure fronts that I enjoy. Um, More yeah. of that anon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, um, oh, well, uh, I look forward to the, toward the uh, I, mm, toy boat. I look forward to the weather improving some because I've really been enjoying my mountain biking lately. So there's yes. that. Yeah. It's all in front of us. Yeah, well, and we should bear in mind that it's the beginning of the year. Um, did you make any New Year's resolutions? No, I didn't, but my oldest son is going away to college this year, and I have been envious. I have been uh, stoking this low-grade envy, which is unattractive in an adult person, uh, that he's going to go away and have all of these new, awesome new experiences. Like he's got this whole fresh palette to mm -hmm. work with in his life. Uh -huh. And then I decided, well, this could just be f um, freshman year of advanced middle age for me. And I could just treat it like, hey, whatever. I'm just going to huck it all out there and see what happens. And I, I signed up for a bike race this morning. Ooh, what did you sign up for? It's uh, an event called the mixtape. <laughs> and I'm in. <laughs> it occurs here in Massachusetts. I have not done it before. Uh, my crew of ne'er do wells. There was a groundswell of this is what we're gonna do. Uh huh. 
And I, I've been talking about events with friends lately and kind of like not wanting to go back and repeat things that I've done multiple times. Uh-huh. E- even though I love them, you know, there's a little bit of a sense of like, I don't have to do these things every year. I have had the experiences. They are great. They could be great again, but there's opportunity cost, right? So mm-hmm. why not find some new things? So I have not done the mixtape before. I've heard good things about it. It uh, transpires in April, uh, which gives me probably enough time to get a little bit of bass in my legs Mm -hmm. and not, you know, suffer too terribly. Uh, What part of the state is it in? It is in the southern part of the state. How far east or west? Pretty far east. Oh, okay. okay. I think it's pretty near Rhode Island where it goes off. So you may have an opportunity to tour the wonderful uh, location of Fall River. I don't know if Fall River will be involved. Fall River. Right, right, right. Fall <laughs> and River, it is not then. wonderful. Uh, well, I mean, I, I, I'm loath to, uh, I'm loath to cast aspersions on any particular location. Um, you know, there are a number of towns here in eastern Massachusetts that have a bad rep. Uh, uh, so true. So true. Lowell, Brockton. <laughs> yes. Chelsea. Lynn, Fall River. Revere. Yeah. But there are, in my experiences, in my experience, there are things to recommend to each of these places. Uh, true. True. Uh, one of my favorites is the driving. That is not a thing to be recommended ever. But but actually, you know, it's an interesting uh, thing that if you are willing to ride around a place, mm-hmm. uh, you can find what's good about it much more quickly if you try to drive. You know, yes. if you're going to a place that has a bad reputation for any reason, um, you know, like uh, Lowell is a good example. People... Uh, say bad things about Lowell, Massachusetts. It's right up there on the river. It's actually beautiful. There's great food. And my absolute favorite mountain biking is there now. <laughs> yeah, go figure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, love Lowell. Love Lowell. <laughs> uh, by the time readers, uh, reader, list, listeners, uh, well, the day after listeners get this uploaded to their smart devices or whatever, um, Friday morning, I will be registering for the eight hours of Wente uh, up oh. in Mendocino County. And uh, to contrast your recent statement about branching out and doing things new, um, I, n- nope, I'm going back to Wente. Um, I'm going back to Wente. And I, uh, I mean, I actually plan to participate more fully this time around as opposed to just doing some random laps. Um, I'm not going to claim that I'm a racer. The thing I'm weighing now is whether or not I enter the over-under category along with Philip. Oh, your son. Yes, or, my eldest, or... uh, the one now in Nika and uh, really starting to see mountain biking in a whole new light, uh, one that does light him up. But bike monkey events are not cheap. And without a certain amount of, yeah, dad, let's do this. um, I don't really want to drop all that just yet. Sure. And, you know, there's a lot that could happen between now and June with what we have planned for him already. Um, 
sure. Nike events, you know, so we'll see. You have unfinished business with Wente, and I understand that that's why you're going back. Well, even if I didn't have unfinished business, and actually I wouldn't really even term it that way. I just, it is far and away the most fun event I have ever gone to in my life. Saturday night after the race is over, I have never failed to have an absolutely incredible conversation with someone who I didn't previously know. Oh. Yeah. Says the introvert. Yeah. Well, you know how us introverts are. We're really into it as long as it's on our terms. Yes. Yes. (laughs) That's yes. Very true. Very true. All righty. We've uh, dawdled enough. Let's get into polls. What's yours? Uh, today I have a bone to pick with my fellow mountain bikers and gravel cyclists. Oh, I feel bad this early in the year to be picking bones, but I am, I'm in a, 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 I'm in a real swivet just these last few days uh, over this thing. So where I live, as we have discussed, we are in the freeze thaw cycle currently. (laughs) Yeah. For anyone unfamiliar with that paradigm, basically we are in the period when nighttime temps are mostly below freezing and daytime temperatures are often above it. This leads to the ground hardening and softening. Now, I am, as you know, a big proponent of riding year round. Mm -hmm. And I'm not telling anyone not to ride. Mm -hmm. Uh, What I am saying is... Do not wait for the warm part of the day because you don't want to feel cold and then go out and rut up the trails. OMG, yes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Nothing turns another trail user, a hiker, a bird watcher, a whatever, against cyclists as fast as ruining the trails so completely and obviously. Guys, there are tire tracks They know it was us. (laughs) Yeah, we can't pass it off on the equestrians. Uh, It wasn't me. It wasn't me. Not only was it you, but you were running a Maxxis Minion 2.6, and I know it. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, what what we have to do is we got to target the cold part of the morning or later at night with lights on when the ground is hard and you're not going to damage the surface. Uh, There will be days when you just shouldn't be on the trails. Yeah. Please, for the love of all that's holy, have some respect for the precious natural resources we depend on. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And while I'm at it. (laughs) And another thing. Yeah. Can bike companies and filmmakers please stop putting out videos full of people tearing up these mountain lines left and right? I get it. It looks cool. With the splashes and the dirt flying. But you're glorifying really bad behavior. Mm -hmm. You're nurturing a destructive ethos. Yes, yes. It's one thing to take your star out there and get them to rip it up for an hour or two. Uh, But then that inspires like a thousand groms to to head out to the same place and, you know, ride their brakes from top to bottom. Yeah. 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 It's insane. The ooh, I get it. The riding gets more challenging this time of year. You have less terrain to pick from, but there's a not so subtle entitlement at work here, I think. 
we ride all the trails in summer and we assume we should be able to ride them all in all the seasons but mm-hmm. that's just not the case and i'd suggest that if you can make that adjustment maybe find another winter hobby i'm sorry if you can't make that adjustment <laughs> maybe find another winter hobby jigsaw puzzles uh because you <laughs> might be ruining it for everyone else this has all been harsh uh and i'm sorry but sometimes course corrections sound that way i just want to tell my fellow cyclists court look yourself in the mirror correct course mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay yeah no i i fully support that um in the coming days uh at some point you know it will stop raining here and you know the first day where it's not raining i'm not gonna go mountain biking nor will i go mountain biking that second day yeah because i know how long it takes for our trails to drain um and i don't want to be that guy exactly and one of the things i do once it's been three or four days i will actually go on social media and just put a call out you know hey locals uh is anna del dry yet um because i figure somebody has been up there when they shouldn't have been and they can at least do us a solid and give us a sit rep yeah yeah, I have been known to ride out to the local trails on the road, just peek at the surface, you know, uh, make make the first cursory 50 or 100 yards and then make a judgment about, you know, it's on or it's not on. Uh-huh. Anyway, is this, I assume this is also an issue where you are. Yeah. Yeah, um, we have a big problem with people wanting to go mountain biking, regardless of what has just happened. And there are an awful lot of people who park in a parking lot very near where I live. Uh, And so it's not uncommon for me to be going out later afternoon and see someone in that parking lot just back from a ride and they are brown head to toe. Yeah. And it's like, come on, you know, and their their orange bike is also brown. Yeah. Uh, and it, you know, I'm I'm not the sort who's going to confront anyone over it. Um, but it sort of boggles my mind, the insensitivity of it. Mm. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, heck, even most of the equestrians stay off the trails after it's been really rainy here. Mm. Uh, there was a spot that I would go riding in uh, Rancho Palos Verdes slash Torrance. Um, and the equestrians who rode there didn't care if, if it was raining right then. It could have been flooding and they were going to ride. And the most torn up trail I have ever experienced in my life uh, was one that had been ridden by a number of equestrians during and after rain. And mm. uh, I was almost bucked off my bike. The road was, the uh, trail was so torn up. It was, yeah. Having having tasted horse droppings uh, as oh. a result of riding after equestrians, I have zero interest or sympathy in their, in their hobby. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that will sound judgmental, but uh, if you've tasted horse manure. <laughs> Enough said. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, it just on those occasions where I've, I've smelled it flying through the air near me, I've thought, okay, I need to change my riding right now. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm going to slow down. Yeah. <laughs> uh, alrighty. We're going to take a break and we will be back in just a minute. Back in 1991, I rented a mountain bike for fat tire bike week in Crested Butte, Colorado. I'd been on a bike tour prior to this, so the only shoes and pedals I had were for the road and were clipless. What I quickly learned was that A, clipless pedals on mountain bikes were a very good idea, and B, the difficulty of starting on a steep incline told me that creating a pedal that engaged on either side would be important. I figured, cool concept, but no one will ever make that. Color me amazed when, a year later, Shimano introduced the first two-sided clipless mountain bike pedal, the SPD. One look at the pedal told me they had figured out the very thing I thought no one would ever sort out. Thirty years later, and my preferred pedal for mountain biking is still the Shimano SPD. They are so effective that I use them for my gravel riding as well. This is just another instance of Shimano seeing around the curve. Okay, we're back with the Pace Line, the podcast on two wheels. What do you got for us this week? In the run-up to Christmas, a number of friends reached out to me to ask my advice on buying an e-bike. In every case, these were folks who are not otherwise cyclists, and so really had no ideas about what bikes or e-bikes cost or what to look for. They wow. were also people who were looking to buy e-bikes as an opportunity to park the car and get some, shall we say, accidental exercise. It's the best kind. Uh, or maybe incidental. Uh, so while I've discussed e-bikes on the show before, this has become a pull because after the third person asked, I realized I needed to kind of boil my advice down into something pretty easily repeatable. Yes. Some of this information won't be a surprise to our listeners, but other parts may be news. Uh, so I've spent nearly a year now deeply embedded in e-bikes. Uh, my work is read by people who generally aren't cyclists and have never paid more than $1,000 for a bike of any sort. So the pricing on e-bikes is a shock. Um I've ridden a bunch of bikes at this point, and I've dusted, uh, digested the spec sheets on hundreds more. Sounds like so much fun. Go on. I, well, I am precisely <laughs> the nerd who will actually more or less enjoy this. Yes, I know that about you. I, I've, I've found my niche in the world. Uh, <laughs> um, so, okay, okay. So the first thing I'll say about buying an e-bike is not to hope to spend less than $1,000. There are a few, actually more like two, e-bikes that go for less than $1,000 that aren't sketchy, and both are by the brand Electric Bikes. That's electric without the E, just electric. Clever. Yeah, yeah. Um, they offer one at $799. It's a single speed, though. Um, but, you know, it, it's not going to burn your house down. I, okay, that's a that's a bad joke because actually none of the battery fires that have happened anywhere in the U.S. to my knowledge have been caused by e-bikes. They've all been by uh, 
uh, powered razor scooters and, you know, hoverboards and whatever else, uh, not e-bikes causing fires. The bulk of the market is focused between $1,000 and $2,000 with serious concentration in the $1,500 to $2,000 range. These are bikes being sold generally by direct-to-consumer companies. With one or two exceptions, they all have hub motors and use cadence sensors to govern the motor, Uh, which is to say it's possible to make these e-bikes go without actually pedaling hard enough to make the chain catch. Uh, It's called ghost pedaling. And to me, it's the single biggest strike against e-bikes in this price range, or heck, any price range at all. Uh, I I don't like cadence sensors. The majority of these bikes have seven-speed Shimano drivetrains that feature a 1428 freewheel, which means they have a gear range of only 200%, which is not much, uh, but is certainly enough if you live in Miami. I'd say the majority have hydraulic disc brakes, but mechanical disc brakes are absolutely plentiful. Plenty of these e-bikes come with lights, fenders, and a rear rack. From what I see, that usually comes with a sacrifice in some other component or components. Many of these, bleh, many of these e-bikes are one size fits all, and I'm going to say that the sizing recommendations these companies give cannot be trusted for anyone less than five feet six inches tall or taller than six feet. Uh, that is a narrow, effective range. These are bell curve bikes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, Be average, everyone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, the sizing stuff makes me a little crazy. Um, but so it goes. Uh, at least none of the bikes are identical to each other. So people can find a fit. Uh, I, I'm going to get that. I, I will get there. <laughs> Let's finish okay. the other things. So, Aventon and Denago are two brands that work in this price range that offer multiple sizes and frame designs. Also, while many companies will offer a traditional diamond frame version and another frame with a step-through design, (laughs) very often the dimensions of these bikes in terms of top tube length or reach and seat tube length or stack, uh, actually that's a head tube thing, but whatever, uh, they're often identical. So mm. you end up with two bikes that look different, but are not actually different sizes. Right. For people confined to this price range, my advice is this. Start with your height and inseam. If the bike doesn't fit, you won't ride it for more than a half hour at a time. Uh there are enough bikes in this very competitive $1,500 to $2,000 price range that even someone who is five, three, five feet, three inches tall uh, can find an e-bike that will fit, but maybe not if they are five feet tall. Mm-hmm. My next recommendation is that because e-bikes in this price range rarely feature a mid-drive motor, the thing to look for is a torque sensor. What a torque sensor does is pick up on the level of effort the rider is making and then multiplies that by some factor. Um, They are integrated in mid-drive motors, which is what makes that riding experience so very compelling. I will actually go into all of that in another episode at some point. Okay, so 
my reduction sauce for anyone who needs to stick to a budget. Try to allocate $1,500 to $2,000. That is where someone's dollar absolutely goes farthest. Look for models that offer multiple sizes and prioritize size overall else. Look for a torque sensor if one of the very few models with mid-drive motors won't fit you. Uh, watch for hydraulic disc brakes and a drivetrain with a freewheel with a range greater than 1428. Uh, I will, in another show, take on e-bikes at the higher end of the market, which is to say north of $3,000. What would you add, sir? Gosh, I don't know. I mean, I do see so many of them that uh, they look like Craigslist ads in terms of what they say the bike will do. Like, mm-hmm. if you're a quad, you know, if you're a biped with both of your uh, arms, this bike will fit you. Yeah, it, it's mm-hmm. it's uh, it's pretty sketchy. I would say, um, if at all, po- like like I always say. Um, go to your bike shop if possible and test ride. Uh, because oftentimes when you buy direct to consumer, which you may have to do in this price range, but oftentimes the bike just doesn't fit the way you, certainly not the way they say it will. Mm -hmm. Uh, and maybe not the way you would like it to. Um, yeah. And if this bike is going to do errands for you, that's going to become important pretty quickly. Mm hmm. Yeah, very true. I was just working on a review of a bike uh, recently, right before the holiday, so I can't remember the model offhand. But uh, it had a top tube length that was effectively 59 centimeters. (laughs) I'm 5'11", and that's longer than I ride. Right. Now, granted, the stem was not all that long. It was longer than 50 millimeters, though. Um. And, you know, a a shorter stem and then also a flat bar helps reduce that reach some. But that's still, I mean, even by mountain bike standards, that's a long top tube. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, the sizing stuff, it's a much bigger issue than people are led to understand. I will occasionally comb through uh, the buyer reviews on a website and... Those can be trusted the way you might trust your average politician, um, <laughs> because a lot of them pay for uh, services that will write fake yes. reviews. Um, yeah. I've been to sites that where I've seen uh, one review used for multiple different models. Right. Uh, and, you know, like they haven't even changed the photo or the person's name. I just feel like, you know, lie to me. Uh, cleverly <laughs> pay me the respect show me your putting smart. some time and effort into your lies yeah yeah uh, i might be more willing to trust the bike if you were pretty sharp about how you lied to me yes yeah that's right um uh many of these like i said are chinese companies and it can be really pretty bizarre uh what they do with the english language um, and they will occasionally, uh, also describe things just wholly incorrectly. Um, I was just looking at a bike yesterday that they, the manufacturer said had an internally geared hub. Well, 
Yes, the hub motor is had planetary gears, but they were saying that you could change gears without having to do, I forget what it was, but it's like, no, there's a derailleur right there. That's, um, yeah, not, not how it works. That's um, not how that works. Yeah. yeah. Which doesn't preclude the bike being good. It just makes it much more hard, much more difficult to assess what you're really seeing. Yes. Yes. Um, and that's really my big problem with a lot of the direct consumer sites is that they just, they don't communicate well. Uh, they, uh, you know, they'll have contradictory information. They'll have inadequate descriptions. Um, it's bizarre to me what some companies will choose to include about specs. I was looking at a rad power bikes, uh, bike yesterday and they included the, uh, the dropout spacing front and rear. Mm. I couldn't find what the head tube angle was. <laughs> so it's, you know, it's, uh, people really have to understand that they're going to have to do a little bit of detective work to really figure out if the bike is going to suit their needs. Um, yeah. That makes me think actually a, a useful thing to do is ask, ask people who have e-bikes already, what they think of the one they have people that you actually know mm, by all means uh, would be a big deal. I think what we're seeing here, I'm going to just make uh, an, an analogy to marijuana dispensaries. Not that I frequent them, but um <laughs> There's been a a rush to market, and in the rush to market, you get a very uneven uh, level of professionalism, and I think that's what we see both in dispensaries, but also in e-bikes, where everyone, this is a hot commodity, everyone wants in, the market is bigger than the cycling market because you have non-cyclists who are interested in this thing now, and so you just get this really broad presentation of products mm-hmm. that can be a bit opaque. Yeah. You know, and I'll even take your analogy a little bit further uh, and compare uh, all-terrain e-bikes to CBD products. Uh, people are saying CBD does, you know, everything. It'll, it'll clear out your colon. It'll cure cancer. <laughs> Uh, it'll solve the Mideast peace crisis. Um, there are a few things that CBD does and it does those things very well. An all-terrain e-bike is not an e-mountain bike, um, but it can be a dynamite vehicle for riding on a dirt road. Yeah. It, it does that very well. Um, but bombing single track and catching air on it, like in the videos, no. Just no. Oh, that amuses me. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, really, uh, people need to lead with sizing. Also, I'll, I'll just say, I expect that a lot of this advice is what our listeners will pass on to their friends, uh, as opposed to being something truly directly helpful to the bulk of our listenership. Um, it's... Yeah, buying an e-bike on a budget is uh, not an easy thing to do, but they have gotten way, way better than what they were uh, even two or three years ago. Yeah, I mean, I would say even as a, a an educated consumer, uh, a lifelong cyclist, a person who can build a bike from scratch, although not good at it, <laughs> um, I bought a budget e-bike and mm-hmm. got a dud. Mm-hmm. Um, so... 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think speaking to your friends who already have them is the best first place, but also, yes, the sizing is a huge deal. Yeah. Yeah. It's a shame that it is such a problem. Um, so it goes. Alrighty. Yes. Let's move on to Paceline Picks. What's yes. your pick this week? This week, I'm picking the Patagonia Houdini jacket. Oh. It's a real basic windbreaker. Okay. Uh, but there are a few things I love about it. Uh, first, it's not skin tight like many cycling jackets. <laughs> okay. It's just the right amount of loose fitting. So it breathes really well. Mm-hmm. And I should clarify, I wear this for trail riding. Uh, because unlike on the road, I don't need it to be form fitting to avoid flapping and the other issues you might have uh-huh. with a windbreaker on a road bike. Mm-hmm. On the mountain bike, I don't care, or on the even on the gravel bike, I don't care that much if it flaps around a little bit. I'm not go- usually going so fast that that bothers me. Mm-hmm. Um, and the extra breathability and comfort and and actually movability movability mm-hmm. is movability a word. That I just made up. You heard it here first. Yes. Maneuverability is maybe what I wanted. Um, you know, you're you're moving around way more on a mountain or gravel bike than you are on a road bike where you're generally holding one position pretty, pretty consistently. Mm-hmm. Um, the cut of the Houdini is generous without being baggy. Uh, it awesome. also doesn't have that asymmetri- asymmetrical cut you associate with cycling jackets. So you can wear it off the bike without, you know, it riding up around your belly button. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm, when you're in the grocery mm-hmm. store and like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it just feels goofy. Like you're wearing a lobster bib and, and some kind of like long tailed, I don't know what. Yes. Um, the Houdini also gets the breathability windproof balance just right for me. Hmm. Um, I run warm, so a lot of wind jackets turn into saunas when I wear them. <laughs> the Houdini is a good top layer for me, especially with a wool jersey in winter, because I can use it until I warm up to keep the wind from stealing my body heat. Uh-huh. And then as soon as I get warm, I can drop it. I can stow it in a jersey pocket. No problem. Mm-hmm. Um Finally, I trust Patagonia to manufacture things in the most responsible way. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that has value to me. Mm-hmm. Um, this jacket is also only $109. And I know there's a lot of people that will be like a windbreaker that's more than 100 bucks. Yeah, but you can spend an awful lot on a wind jacket. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's nothing. Um, I think it's a tremendous value for a Patagonia product. Uh, it comes in six colors uh, mm. and sizes extra small through triple XL. Wow. Uh, there's a men's version and a women's version uh, that vary only slightly in the cut. The women's version is is slightly fitted through the middle. It's mm-hmm. got a little bit more of a mm-hmm. hourglass shape to it. Um, so if you like that, get that. Um, I, I tend not to think of these things as like men's and women's versions, just that they have different cuts yeah. uh, and different people will prefer different fits. So there it is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, touching on your point about manu- uh, Patagonia, man, uh, you'd think I had lidocaine in my mouth, uh, Patagonia and manufacturing, you know, you dig around on their website a little bit, you'll actually learn more about what's happening in textiles and responsible (laughs) sourcing and recyclability. Um, 
you know, it's like what I used to depend on outside magazine to teach me in the past. Yeah. It's, it's remarkable. But Pearl Izumi is another one that is uh, working super hard in responsible sourcing. They're another one I've learned about opportunities from. Yeah, it's funny. I wrote this little uh, capsule review this morning, or I made the notes for it. And um, like an hour later, I got an email from Patagonia because I am on their mailing list. And I got an email that was like, oh, in January, you get double credit for mail-in recyclable garments. Like basically, if you if you have Patagonia stuff that's old and worn, you mail it back to them and they give you credit for it. Uh, and I was like, God, wow. What is this crazy textile utopia we we might live in? Uh, So, yeah, that's a long way of saying uh, if I'm paying an extra 15 bucks for this jacket over its lifetime because they did it right. uh, I'm so good with that. Yeah, you. Yeah. 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 Cool. What do you got? Well, I figured after making my recommendations for what to look for. People would be likely to be staring at their speakers and wondering why I haven't named at least one bike directly. (laughs) So this week, my pick is the Aventon Level 2. It's an e-bike that comes in both a traditional frame and a step-through design, as well as a small, medium, and a uh, large, extra-large size in each frame design. So that's four different frames. Uh, It's equipped with a torque sensor. It's also equipped with hydraulic brakes and an eight-speed drivetrain with a 1232 cassette. Here's the kicker. It only costs $18.99. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Other notable features include a suspension fork. I believe it's a a coiled spring, uh, not air oil, if I recall correctly. Uh, Front and rear lights, fenders, and rear rack. Truly, my only knock against this bike, and this is going to seem a little bizarre uh, because it concerns sizing, but my my one knock against this bike is that the step-through frame features longer reach in both sizes than the corresponding sizes in the traditional frames. Uh, Stated another way, since that might have been a little confusing, their smallest size frame does not feature a step-through design. Mm. Uh, And yeah, so... Uh, the traditional frame uh, in the small medium size is the smallest bike they make uh, in terms of both seat tube length and reach. Uh, So that's a little odd, but I mean, at least they are offering a number of different sizes. Uh, You know, for all that I've been digging through, I'm not sure that there's a better e-bike on the market for less than $2,000 than this one. That that is a golden recommendation, because I think that's what a lot of people are looking for. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to put this out there. I don't have a lot of extra time in my day, uh, given my uh, current workload. But I will put this out there to bike manufacturers, clothing makers, all of them. Look, if you just want to have Patrick and I run the rule over your stuff and give you a sanity check, hit us up. Yeah. Yeah, it won't it won't cost that much. And we'll be able to tell you this thing you're doing is dumb. It's Mm -hmm. and it's obviously dumb. Yeah. And I I do get calls for that from time to time. Just a few weeks ago, I I had a call 
with a uh, set up with uh, a contact friend of mine uh, here in the States. And then uh, the guy from the brand slash factory in China. And we talked about what it is they're looking at and things that they might want to make sure and include like a torque sensor. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, uh, I, I do, I do get those requests from time to time and it's a lot of fun to help out because I see it through the lens of if they will listen to me, the person who buys their product will have a better experience. And that lights me up. Well, that is very altruistic view. I look at it from the perspective of you and I will be will bill less per hour than the liability lawyer they have to employ also down true. the line. <laughs> also true. <Yeah. laughs> That's something to keep in mind. <laughs> okay. Well, that's a wrap on another episode of the pace line. Uh, we're, more or less excited to be back with the new year. I'm excited. Yeah. I'm excited. What's better than the future? As Joe Strummer said, it is unwritten. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this would be where we ask you to subscribe. If you haven't already, go ahead. Click that button now. Also, uh, or maybe I should say also, also in, in honor of Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Uh, if you haven't already, check out our other podcasts, Revolting, which lives up to its name in some ways, but is highly entertaining, uh, like Laugh Out Loud, uh, and Enter the Deuce, which is not Laugh Out Loud uh, and isn't much to do with bikes either, but does dig, dig deep into the trials of being a parent in the most challenging circumstances possible. Also, also, also. We have a new show coming soon called The Long Way Home. Uh, it will feature written work read by its author. Um, this one will be more audible than Fresh Air, uh, since each show will generally be just one voice throughout. Um, but we decided to do this because uh, we believe in the quality of good writing and uh, figured, you know, let's... Let's give people something worthwhile and thoughtful to listen to. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, it's a real popcorn popper, that one. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. It's going to surprise even us. Yes, make, make yourself a cup of tea and stare contemplatively out the window while you enjoy it. Uh, or drive to Timbuktu. Yeah. Uh, maybe consider leaving a review wherever it is you found us. It makes us... Uh, easier for other listeners to find uh constructive criticism is also accepted even yeah. maybe welcomed yes yeah Alrighty. until next week i'm patrick brady with john lewis thanks for listening to the pace line <laughs>